Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the first podcast of 2023 with UK Investor Magazine. Um, we're going to be looking at a number of stocks to watch this year. Um, there's going to be a mix of FTSE 100 companies and some growth companies listed in the AIM market, as well as the lower end of the main market. And to do that, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, Happy New Year. John, a happy new year to you and a happy new year to all of our listeners. Um, it's been an interesting uh, interesting time. Um, uh, looks, looks like we're in for more of the same. It does. It does indeed. And happy new year to you. Uh, as well, Alan, as well as the, uh, the the listeners out there, thank you very much for listening in 2022 and uh, look forward to welcoming you to the podcast in 2023. So to kick things off, we're going to be looking at a selection of stocks to watch in the in the coming year. But before we do that, we're going to have a quick look at the overall market and one company in particular which had some particularly interesting news out so far this week. So Alan, FTSE 100, we didn't quite have a a Santa's rally. It was negative on December and we finished the year. We finished 2022 at 74.51 on the FTSE. Now, looking at what we're going to be dealing with going forward this year, of course, inflation is still a story. It looks as though the UK is going to go into recession along with the US and some Asian economies if the IMF are anything to go by. But if we're looking at that figure there, Alan, of 74.51, how do you feel the FTSE 100 is going to perform in 2023? Do you think we're going to have a positive? Are we going to finish higher or lower than that level? I think we'll finish the year higher, but I think the it'll be a very muted performance for the first six months. I mean, we've seen a reasonably positive start, but of course, um, let's not forget the index trade six to nine months ahead or, or, or on what uh, is it expects to happen um, say now in the summer this year. So I think uh, there's a lot of uncertainty around. The macro picture is very poor and obviously the IMF are very bearish uh, in their outlook for the major economies. Um, uh, as you say, the, the US uh, cited to go in, into recession and of course the UK economy went on track to do that too. Inflation, I think, uh, will slowly be brought back under control Um we're expecting interest rates to rise further. And of course, we've seen that consistently. The Bank of England and the US have pushed rates higher to try and mitigate the effect of inflation. But once we start to see that peaking, I think that's going to be that's going to be when we'll start to see things. We'll start to see an improvement in the economy, a sense that spending is is getting back under control. Families will be able to um, afford their bills a little more easily, um, but of course, uh, they'll, 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 the, the tail will be fairly extensive too. I mean, we're going to be sort of talking really the middle of two thousand twenty-four, I think, before we're out of this, because of course, the Bank of England have predicted that we're going to go into the longest recession in history. So, um, given that backdrop, um, unless there are any really nasty shocks along the way. And of course, uh, that could also all be changed by uh, a change in strategy in the Ukraine or um, or uh, should China decide to invade Taiwan after all of the saber rattling that's been going on. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. 
and the backdrop as well. But uh, if we can get inflation back under control, then I think uh, we can start to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Fantastic. I mean, just looking at you know the FTSE 100, you know, a big outperformer on the year last year compared to the S&P 500, you know, the defensive sectors in there, particularly the energy companies, mm. are driving that, uh, that outperformance. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, that relationship and that disconnect develops as we move through 2023. Is it going to be a case that the, uh, the US markets catch up with uh, the, the FTSE 100 as we see a pricing of you know, markets that are looking past the recession, of course, you know, if you, if you look at US markets and, and some European markets, excluding the, the UK, they have to some extent priced in this recession. And, you know, the FTSE 100 is is really no representation of the UK economy. Of course, that's more uh, the FTSE 250. So they're um, quite interesting nuances to be watching as, uh, as things develop. But I've, I've got a feeling... I think we're going to be fairly flat on the FTSE 100. I think we're going to see a rally towards the later stages of the year when we're looking at US markets because you know, if, if we see a recession, I think it's going to be fairly shallow. It's down to inflation. Inflation is already starting um, to, to recede to some extent. That's going to have an impact on, on monetary policy. And I think that's going to, you know, when we start to see that pivot and, and shift, markets are going to quickly price that in. Um, so it's going to be a soggy first half of the year, I feel. But as, as we move forward to uh, 2024, I think things are going to get a, a little bit more positive. And that's, of course, something we're going to be commentating on the podcast as we move through the year. So, Adam, we're going to start off with, with one stock, which isn't, strictly speaking, uh, one of our stocks to watch for 2023. But it's one we've discussed on the podcast many times last year, and it's had... You know some some pretty uh, disturbing news out yesterday. Pretty poor start to the year for Bidstack. So, I mean, what's what's been happening there? Uh, yeah, it's um, Bidstack is a, a sort of uh, immense frustration. I mean, I'm a shareholder in Bidstack, and I've sort of participated in the in the various uh, fundraisers that have taken place. A lot of which have taken place around the current level. That's, uh, of course. Uh, 2p which uh, which gives the company a fairly uh, modest valuation i'm just uh, bringing that one up now but um yesterday there was uh, the company announced it was in dispute with uh, one of its companies yeah the market cap's 25 million of course um uh, in dispute with uh, uh, its partner azerian where the company has uh, of course bits provide um uh, a platform to serve advertising in-game and of course the gaming industry is huge uh, estimated to be worth some 250 billion globally i think uh, by 2025 so it's a massive audience of course um uh, a lot of advertisers are now looking at this it's a new it's a new audience and it's a, a youngish audience but very easy to profile that audience and of course um uh, having a platform to reach that, that audience and also provide um uh, some uh, 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 detailed data back to the advertiser about uh, uh, the audience and so on is, is crucial. And Bitstack had that platform, but they had an agreement with Azerian Technology um, and uh, uh, Bits. They're now in dispute about um, Azerian um, uh, has uh, has uh, has accused Bitstack of not complying with the contract. Um, Bitstack is uh, has kicked back on that. So basically, there's a dispute taking place, and of course, as you can imagine, that sh- that hit the share price substantially yesterday. Shares dropped from just below three p to 
2p. We're off um, 4% today. Nonetheless, um, in terms of its evolution and the way its evolution has played out, um, the the uh, company is late stage now. has an awful lot of agreements with other companies um, and uh, it, it, it's uh, integrated in so many games across the world. Um, I think the, the uh, Azerian... The, the, the Azerian contract is a bit of a red herring in a sense. And uh, I think I, I don't think it will prevent Bidstack from continuing to engage with other advertisers and other technology platforms in order to be able to service advertising. So, so um, uh, you might want to look at the dip in share price, given that we're now just below where the company raised a substantial amount of money last year. I think it was uh, about 12 million. Um, you might want to look at the, the current uh, level as a good entry point. And I think it is a, it, it is good value. I mean, we've got a company that's worth 25 million um, that's uh, potentially well positioned in an industry that's worth 250 billion. But of course, that's speculation on my part. But I think uh, the technology is now late stage. Um, and uh, Jonathan, you, you may have different opinion about the other players in the market. Yes, I mean, I'd add a bit of balance to that. You know, that, that late stage I'd, I'd pick up on, you know, the bid stack four or five, uh, maybe longer years ago, you know, really had a first mover advantage. But looking at the market out there now, in terms of the DSP, the advertising demand side platforms that are including advertising in game, um, native advertising, you know, that sits alongside you know, normal websites, uh, native advertising now so this in-game is isn't anything new to some extent and there's more and more players out there uh than than there were so those first mover advantages to some extent have gone for for bid stack and if we sort of look at the first half of uh of last year and that's what we have the figures for so far of course we've got we've got uh you know some comments on, on what was going on in the second half we haven't actually got the the results yet you know it was a revenue of around two million you know market cap of uh of 25 million does look a little bit expensive, but we haven't got the figures from the second half of the year. You know, if that increases dramatically, then yes, maybe bid stat look, uh, look good value, but we haven't got those figures as yet. So I think it's very much down to a valuation basis now. I think trying to price bid stack and what they may do on in, in the future on their technology isn't the most appropriate way to do it. You know, this is a technology that's being integrated uh, across many platforms now, and it's a case of what they're doing. Uh, on the ground, you know, if they've got the technology there, they should be using it and they should be earning significant revenues from it if um, it's going to to work for them in the in the long haul and obviously produce that shareholder return that everybody's hoping for. So mm. very keenly watching uh, their next update in terms of their numbers. Indeed, indeed, yes. Yeah, so Adam, let's now move on to something a little bit more positive and we've got a good selection of stocks here. Uh, that we've highlighted to look at in 2023. So um, we're going to run through them. We're going to spend a particularly great amount of time on each one because there's uh, there's a good few of them. So we're going to we're going to get started. So the first one we've got here, Alan, is Shell. Shell, of course, are a that uh, they have uh, um, they're a cornerstone, I think, of so many so many uh, investor. Um, so many, so many investor portfolios, and of course, uh, fund managers as well. Um, and uh, 
It's an incredibly popular share, but also company's very well run by Chief Executive Ben Van Burden. Um, and uh, of course, uh, with the evolution of EV technology, clean technology, Shell are well positioned uh, in this too. But of course, they are, uh, of course, known primarily as a producer and supplier of oil. And um, the eponymous uh, Shell uh, fuel stations up and down the UK and around the world um uh it, 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 it's 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 a very strong platform for the brand um and of course the great thing is it's paid a dividend every year since the second world war it's uh, it's an evergreen stock in that regard and uh i think um going forward it's always been a it's always been a, a cornerstone of my portfolio um and i took the opportunity when the share price fell share price fell back to nine pounds per share i think it was um uh, during covid i picked up some at that point um, and whilst the dividend was trimmed, um, they're still paying a dividend yield of three and a half percent. So um, I think uh, I think it's it's going to continue to offer great value. But you might want to pick your time because, of course, if there is a fall in the oil price, um, which, of course, we all hope there will be because it will mean cheaper fuel at the pumps, um, then that could impact on Shell. But equally, it's balanced its portfolio. So it's moving into clean technology and it has a very good balance of old tech and new tech uh, within that uh, within that portfolio of assets. Yes, it's, it's that new tech that I find particularly interesting. And you know, it's a section that I always find myself skipping to in their reports now, looking what they're doing in clean technology. It's not just the generation side, but it's also the distribution because, you know, yes, all is going to be here for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, who, know, who knows how long. Um, but at some point, you know, the significant revenues that are coming into Shell are going to be from that clean technology and that new technology uh, side of things. That's always making interesting reading. I'm sure it, it will do in 2023 uh, for Shell and what they're doing in, in green and clean energy. Also worth noting with Shell as well that um, it trades on a lower multiple than its uh, US counterparts, such as um, Exxon, Chevron, Exxon and uh, Chevron. So that's always worth uh, worth noting. So uh, in that regard, there is certainly upside because it's one of the most powerful oil companies in the world. Indeed, listed here in London, but of course, global operations there. So big comparisons could be made to those those stocks listed in the US. So, Alan, moving on now, another FTSE 100 stalwart in AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca, AZN. And, uh, you know, of course, AstraZeneca made uh, history uh, during COVID, produced um, produced the first uh, COVID vaccine uh, at, at an incredible rate of loss, along with Pfizer as well, of course. Um, and those two really have been the backbone of the um, the resurgence of the human race, if you like, from from the uh, those dark days in the middle of the COVID uh, crisis. Um, and the shares have, uh, of course, benefited from that. But um, AstraZeneca is an absolute powerhouse of developing uh, um, uh, drugs in, in, uh, and uh, and treatments and vaccines into every every area of uh, medicine and, of course, um, every corner of the globe. Uh, and compared to its, uh, compared to its, uh, its peer group, particularly Glaxo, it still has delivered a stellar share price performance. I mean, over the last year, shares started the year at uh, £95 per share, now trading at um, £11.26 per share. And the chart's fantastic. You know, we had a dip in October last year, uh, ahead of the results. And ever since then, it's continued to climb. Again, a dividend yield of, ju- of just on 2%. But um, 
the share price performance from Astra is is akin to that of a much more smaller dynamic play. And I think that's why the, uh, again, fund managers and retail investors love this stock so much. It's a, it's a great one to have in your portfolio. And, you know, if you look at the share price performance over the past five years, uh, January 2018, we were looking at... Um, £52 per share, we're now at £116 per share. So, you know, that's um, that has uh, outperformed, uh, outperformed inflation, outperformed everything else, and delivered a dividend yield along the way. And of course, what, share, what Astrid does so successfully is it works with many, many small companies. Um, these companies are developing drugs and vaccines and treatments uh, through phase one, phase three, phase three trials. And Astra comes in late stage, uh, and of course, it's got the distribution network, and um, it's got the uh, the heavy guns to be able to uh, take it on, and then take it out and uh, turn it into a worldwide um, vaccine or or uh, or, or, or um, a healing phenomenon. And, and uh, that's what Astra has been doing so well for years. Uh, great leadership, uh, and of course, a great British company uh, headquartered in Cambridge. Um, and it continues to be a buy for me. Indeed, indeed. Some very respectable set of numbers out in that last update as well. So so things ticking on nicely there at, uh, at AstraZeneca. So moving on now, we're going to be moving now towards the uh, the more smaller cap end of the market. We're going to be looking at uh, one very quickly that you've picked out, Alan, in Power Metal Resources. Of course, Paul Johnson presented with us uh, about a month ago now. Uh, at the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference, gave a very compelling update. Uh, so what uh, what brings them into your selection for this year, Adam? Well, again, Power Metal very modestly valued at 23 million currently, shares trading at 1.4p. Um, um, and I think Power is the name of the game. I mean, uh, Paul and his team have a portfolio of uh, mining, uh, battery metal, gold, um, nickel, cobalt, copper silver um in uh in in all four corners of the globe um and uh has a number of uh campaigns or, or uh, uh assets which are being drilled by the company um currently as we speak and a number of assets which are being developed with partners and what paul has done very successfully too um several of the projects as they've developed have been spun out into separate companies. And one of those companies I'm going to touch on shortly is First Class Metals, um, where, of course, they span out a portfolio of Canadian assets into First Class Metals. That company has come to market and was the most successful IPO of last year and, of course, won um, an award with UK Investor Magazine for that feat. Um, and there are a number of other companies on the launch pad. We've got gold metal resources that will be coming to market shortly. We have first development resources, um, uh, new Ballarat Gold Corporation and uh, others that will be will be uh, hitting the IPO uh, trail at some stage during the year. So, of course, every time that happens, uh, the the percentage holding in that company is crystallized as valuation onto the power metal balance sheet and goes to firm up the balance sheet. Meanwhile, Paul and his team are drilling uh, at the Malopo Farms project in Botswana, where they've discovered a huge nickel anomaly under the ground there. Um, they've, uh, they've located a magnetic anomaly. The first drill hole went down um, uh, in the second 
half last year. And of course, they literally drilled straight into nickel first time out. And that got everyone very excited and, of course, propelled the share price higher. That work is still going on. It's being prioritised. Then also in Botswana, the Tati Gold Project, um, they're locating some Bonanza-style grades there. Um, and then, of course, we go on to the other projects around the world. They've, there's a uranium project in Canada, which is being developed, silver project in Canada. Then we go to Australia. We've got first development resources with assets uh, uh, in the uh, nor- in the Northern Territories of Western Australia. That's with the CELTA uranium project and, of course, the Wallal and Braceside and Ripon Hills projects. Um, and then, of course, we go to Victoria, where we have um, the New Ballarat Gold Corporation, a joint venture with Red Rock Resources, um, which is around Ballarat, which is very famous, has its own gold mine, lots of historical workings there. So there's the news flow is consistent. Um, and any one of these projects coming to fruition or locating something else will be a trigger for the share price. So very exciting year in prospect for the company. And again, a very modest valuation at just 23 million at the moment. Indeed, indeed. Hell of a lot going on at Power Metal Resources. And just a, just a quick note before we get into the rest of the companies. Of course, there's a selection that we're looking at here. But, you know, of course, if you want other analysts and other brokers' views, do check out the guide section on the UK Investor Magazine website because we've got a number of reports there from brokers and analysts for their selection. Of course, it's interesting to see the variation in different views and obviously which different brokers and analysts are, are looking at and tipping. So they're in the uh, the guide section of the UK Investor Magazine website. So moving on now, Alan, next up we have Tech Capital. It's an investment company with four portfolio companies. There's an RPO coming up in early 2023. If you want more details, do check out the UK Investor Magazine website in the video section because Dr. Clifford Gross, the CEO, did present with us uh, just back in December. But Alan, you have them down for one of your picks for 2023. Again, uh, a a great year, although the share price doesn't necessarily reflect that great year. Um, But nonetheless, the company has has had a year to be proud of in that it's bought uh, one of its key uh, assets uh, to market. Um, what Tech Capital is, it's uh, an incubator um, uh, developing uh, assets uh, that are developed uh, within the university, within a within the university environment, and then spun out into the commercial sector. So it, it's got several several uh, tiers to its business. It's got um, it's got a network of technology that is developed where it's uh, working with pretty well every university around the world. Um, and through this database, if an investor is interested in a particular sector, then, of course, they can sign up, use the app, and they'll receive information about the sectors of interest um, from uh, where those projects and assets are being developed at the universities around the world. So it's a really useful piece of technology. And, of course, there are lots of benefits, as uh, listeners will know, for investing into early stage companies, lots of tax breaks as well, depending on where they are in the world. Um, and then, of course, it's got its a, it's a, it's a key investments itself, and and uh, we have the uh, the Lucid investment, which of course uh, the um, tech still holds twenty seventy one percent of, and that was uh, Lucid was listed on the Nasdaq last year, um, and Lucid, of course, is a provider of 
innovative, innovative and smart eyewear. Uh, those are effectively Bluetooth glasses. Um, and, and of course, uh, um, since uh, uh, coming to market, um, innovative eyewear, Lucid has partnered with a number of brands, including Eddie Bauer and uh, many others, um, and is going from strength to strength. So lots to be excited about there for tech capital this year. Then, of course, there's, uh, it owns Guidant, pretty well 100% of Guidant. And Guidant uh, is an autonomous monitoring service for um, for the remote vehicles of the future. And, of course, we've all seen the Google cars. Um, this is a, um, a very efficient monitoring station, a remote monitoring station, which monitors the progress of the cars and, of course, uh, sees the cars driving and uh, responds in nanoseconds literally to any changes in the terrain any any uh any traffic issues or or so so on so this has been developed uh, by the team then we have um um uh, we have uh, a listed company Bellascura, uh, which of course is uh, has developed uh, an asset to uh, to help copd sufferers uh it's a port- portable oxygen supply uh, and it makes it easy for um, for people to walk around if they suffer from COPD and live normal lives so hugely important and it, and uh, uh, tech capital has a 15% stake there and then finally uh, has a stake in Microsoft and of course it owns most of the company Microsoft very exciting company uh, has developed an asset where uh, salt crystals instead of being the normal size are much smaller so uh, as a result uh, of course, the health issues uh, you, that uh, that um, uh, salt creates, particularly in the fast food industry, by using this, the the risk from uh, the, the health issue risk from uh, uh, the sodium that's in the salt is reduced by thirty to forty percent. So the knock-on effect into the health food industry and therefore into health services around the world could be huge. On the back of that, Microsoft is the company. Microsoft will be listing on AIM at some point this year. So, of course, there'll be a further IPO for tech capital to look forward to there. But it's just over 17p. The company's got a market cap of just under 26 million. So it looks great value considering all of those assets are in-house. Run, of course, by Chief Executive Clifford Gross. Indeed, indeed. And I believe Clifford will be actually um, presenting... Uh, with us in the in in the coming months ahead of that uh, IPO of Microsoft, which is looking particularly interesting. If you have a quick look at the tech capital uh, RNSs and the commercial uh, progress that they're making, um, you know it's a big problem. Uh, you know we've had sugar that was one frontier on the health front, and of course salt is one that, that causes. Uh, many premature deaths, um, and that's going to be a particularly interesting business when that comes to market. So we're going to move on now, uh, Alan, to the next one we've got in the selection. We've got down here is Cadence Minerals. Yep, Cadence Minerals. Um, Cadence, of course, currently got a market capitalization uh, capitalization currently at uh, not just nineteen million, trading at ten point eight p. Remember, the Cadence raised some money at twenty p last year. So the fact that it's at this level is something of a mystery, considering the assets that uh, the group has, and of course, it has um, assets, uh, investment assets, both in the Yanjibana Rare Earths project and. Uh, also in evergreen lithium, it's sold some assets there. That's going to be worth uh, that. Those are going to be worth some uh, seven 
to nine million pounds uh, each uh, when they come to fruition. Those are share-based assets. So that's uh, that's uh, nine million of the 19 million market cap ticked off. And then um, the core project, which of course is the Amapa Iron Ore project, uh, the company has just announced um, the uh, the uh, pre-feasibility study results for Amapa. Now, of course, Amapa was bought out of administration by Cadence and a consortium um, uh, a, a couple of years ago. Um, and Cadence, uh, the Cadence team and also Dev Minerals, uh, the uh, company on the ground there that, of course, Cadence uh, now owns, um, uh, has done a tremendous amount of work with the uh, with the uh, um, with the uh, uh, powers that be in a mapper to both get the the mine uh, back up and running and also reinstate the the railway to take the uh, which of course is is also owned by this part of the mapper package and that takes the iron ore from the mapper iron ore mine through to the port at Santana which is also being refurbished as well so this refurbishment is going on. Um, Money has been raised and has been generated to repay the creditors. Um, now, this is an asset that was valued by uh, Anglo-American former owners in 2012 at some 600 million <clears throat> US dollars. Um, it uh, fell into disrepair. And of course, there was a slump in the iron ore price. Um, but the product is recognized worldwide. And indeed, the tailings uh um, the, the first shippings of the tailings that were awaiting shipment took place last year. And of course, that has raised uh, uh, many millions of dollars, which has come back into the company to go towards the reconstruction and redevelopment. Um, now, Cadence now holds um, 29% uh, of the asset there, and they have the first right of refusal to um to uh, sorry, a 30% interest rather. It's got a first right of refusal to increase its interest to 49% and I believe the company uh, have every uh, uh, there's every expectation the company will do that but the PFS results returned a process project uh, net present value of 949 million dollars internal rate of return of 34% um, but expectations uh, on earnings a profit after tax of 2.96 billion dollars over the life of mine so that's um, gross revenues of 9.39 billion over the life of mine, which is, I mean, these are huge numbers, absolutely huge. Um, and currently, given uh, currently the market's attributing a valuation of just t of just ten million to that. Now, of course, the, there will be funding required to get the get to, to bring the mine back on song. Um, but that's uh, we, we've completed PFS uh, DFS defensive feasibility study is now underway, um, and there's also uh, um, some blue sky as well with the nearby Takana mine and uh, the company uh, is the company will now be looking at the nearby uh, Takana mine to see if that can be developed into into uh, and provide additional value into the um, map asset um, but I know you're going to be hearing more about this from Kira Mazaria in the coming in the coming weeks so I'm not going to Steal his thunder on that, but it's hugely exciting, and I think uh, this is a derisory valuation at the moment that reflects nothing of what the team have achieved. Um, I've interviewed Kieran live on the ground in Amapa, and you can see all the work that's taken place there already. You know the the uh, revamp of the area, also the educational health benefits and the 
what and the additional employment is going to bring to the region is huge too. So this is a this is a real sea change asset for the company, and it's yet to be reflected in the share price. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Kieran's actually going to be joining us on the podcast later on this week, so we're going to be going into more detail about the project there as well as some of the other of the other um, Cadence Minerals uh, assets. So I think it's going to be recorded Thursday, Friday this week. So do keep uh, an eye out for that. So moving on now, Alan. Next one up is ECR Minerals. ECR Minerals again, um, a fantastic uh, end to last year. Um, we uh, the company, of course, has. A number of assets um, across Australia. In Victoria, we have the Kresig asset, um, and the the Kresig asset uh, is just north of Ballarat. I, I mentioned, of course, Ballarat with uh, Power Metal Resources and the New Ballarat uh, Gold Company. Kresig is north of Ballarat. Um, they undertook drilling there and reassayed the uh, drill results there late in two thousand and twenty-two under the guidance of new chief executive Andrew Haythorpe who came in in April last year and um, for, you know the, the grades were um, you know exceptionally strong and uh, they wouldn't they're, they're the sort of grades that would uh, exceed the head grades that currently uh, um, that are currently being pulled out of the world famous Fosterville gold mine which is just up the road from Kresik. Um, so huge excited for the company. They also announced they discovered a parallel gold system to the existing drill work they'd undertaken at Kresik. And then, of course, yesterday announced uh, uh, the grant of a new license. So the company now has territory from Kresik and a property that they own at Springmount all the way down to Ballarat, um, uninterrupted. So they own all the licensed territory there and the team will be on the ground this year. Then at Bailiston, there's currently a drill campaign taking place at the Blue Moon asset there. Again, new license awards there uh, that go west uh, toward, in fact, the Fosterville gold mine covering the Bailiston anticline. So there's going to be more detailed work there next year. Then, of course, there's the Tambo assets. They, there was a license grant there late last year, which the company will be looking at this year. And then, of course, we got to Queensland, where the company has been undertaking some work at the Lulworth Range project, um, getting some very strong grades out of the ground there. And most recently, before Christmas, announced uh, they discovered some lithium pegmatites uh, across the region too. So that's added an, another dimension to the ECR investment case. Um, and then uh, Andrew Haythorpe, new chief executive, put his stamp on the company uh, during the last quarter last year. Uh, announced that uh, they had they had uh, an option to acquire the Hurricane project, and this is further north in Queensland. Uh, Hurricane project is a late stage project, uh, almost jork, uh, almost uh, set for a maiden jork asset, discovered by a geologist uh, about five years ago who walked up uh, some alluvial gold uh, streams uh, and followed them to the source and found mineralization outbreaks on the rocks there. So the team will get on the ground the next year. Um, they had to spend a certain amount of money. Um, they've already committed to that spend and. Uh, if they find what they believe they're going to find there, and Andrew is very familiar with the area, then it's going to be hugely exciting. That will be developed and they will buy the asset outright. So 2023 is set to be a huge year for the company, and I think a transformational year, particularly as Andrew Haythorpe has a track record of bringing and developing exploration companies. Uh, he took Crescent Mining from an $8 million uh, explorer to a $250 million 
goal producer. So um, he's every intention of doing the same with ECR. Indeed, indeed. Again, a lot going on there for, for ECR Minerals this year. So next up, Alan, we have Blencow Resources. Blencow Resources. So uh, I've known the guys at Blencow for a long time and, uh, again, um, very focused on the battery metals industry. Um, the uh, company sort of came to market um, a few years ago uh, after purchasing the Orom Cross graphite project in Uganda, which, of course, is a benign uh, political uh, um, uh, environment uh, in Central Africa. And um, the Orem Cross it covers a huge uh, area, um, about 2,000 square kilometres, and uh, the graphite literally is sticking out of the ground. So you could take a tractor and harrow there and rake this stuff out of the ground. Um, the company announced pre-feasibility study results in September last year, net present value of $482 million dollars um, um, and a 14-year mine life. Um, the uh, Since that time, uh, the company's announced uh, a, a, st- a strategic uh, relationship with a, a company in China and has also received a strategic investment from aim-listed Jangarda Mines and uh, two existing shareholders, that's RAB Capital and JUB Capital. So it's um, the, the project, and of course, this is the nature of uh, investing into a mining project. It does take time to bring the project to life, to take it through the stages it has to go through. But given now that we have uh, a joint venture on board, um, strategic investors such as those two I've just mentioned, um, Blencow Resources currently trades at 4.6p, gives it a value of just on 9 million. So really it's a small change considering the size of the asset there. And that's uh, that net present value number is based on an area less than 1% of the total resource area. So it's highly likely that they could go to another uh, go to another location within their 200 square meter, uh, square kilometer um, asset license area, and they could find the same again and repeat the same again. And this is the exciting thing about the scale of this asset. So uh, there's going to be we're now waiting, of course, for the uh, definitive feasibility study, uh, which has commenced. Uh, we'll get the results from that. Um, and then, of course, you go to uh, uh, we'll then be moving to production um, and uh, um, the company will then uh, evolve from a an, uh, an explorer into a producer. And at that stage, I think we're going to see a major uplift from the share price. Yes, of course, everybody talks about lithium with lithium batteries, but, you know, graphite are a major component, you know, a huge yeah, amount of graphite going into. Component. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, mate, huge amounts of graphite going to, to lithium batteries for EVs. So everyone talks about lithium, but in fact, graphite is a, is a metal in huge demand uh, as, we, as we move to greater production of electric vehicles. So... Uh, next up, we've got First Class Metals, Alan, who was the winner of the UK Investor Magazine Best IPO in 2022. They obviously listed, and you know, looking at the, the chart there, you can see why it won the award. A very good performance there in, in what was challenging market conditions. Um, so what makes them into your selection the, um, this year? Well, I, th- I think when they came to market, they were valued at six point. Uh, 5 million uh, and that was at a share price of 10p and uh, a lot of the initial investors were given a package where they could invest and uh, 
I took part in the IPO. And with that, uh, there were some warrants issued at 12.5p and at 20p. So the share price currently, of course, uh, is um, is sitting at uh, uh, 15p. Um, and uh, it's it's i think set for great things this year um a lot of people have already cashed in their 15.4p in fact it's, it's up this morning um and that gives the company a valuation of just 10.7 million um what it's done since it came to market it has uh, uh, a number of assets on the north shore of lake superior of course in canada um and uh it's in an area called the shriver hemlo gold belt and of course uh the hemlo barrack hemlo gold mine is world famous produces uh, many, many thousands of ounces of gold every year. To the northwest of that is Pickle Lake, um, which is an asset that uh, the company working jointly with Palladium One, where they have made significant nickel discoveries in the lake there. So hugely important developments there. There are a number of other assets uh, within that area. The company then acquired an old gold mine to the west of those assets, called the Sunbeam Gold Mine. Lots of historical workings there, lots of work on the ground there. So um, uh, when it, when the company came to market, it promised uh, an avalanche of news flow. It's delivered an avalanche of news flow. And I think uh, if it continues at the pace it set out at post-IPO, then I think shareholders are in for a, a bumper year and we should see the price pushing pushing 25 to 30p before, well, certainly before uh, quarter three, quarter four. Indeed, indeed. A lot happening there in the coming year for first class. And obviously, it's looking at some of those projects there, particularly exciting developments in the pipeline. So next up, Alan, we have Green X Metals. Yeah, Green X Metals have, uh, there was a blip in the share price yesterday that, uh, that um, uh, that uh, um, investors will no doubt be aware of. Well, in fact, it took place uh, uh, last week, so blipped up. Um, there was a, uh, a statement to the to the uh, um, ASX, uh, of course, the um, the Australian Stock Exchange, um, and uh, uh, the company has two key assets. Um, it uh, is the former Prairie Mining. Uh, and prairie mining, if investors may recall, had some coal assets in Poland. Uh, the Polish government uh, basically took those assets back without any payment. Uh, a lot of money had been invested. So there is a court case, a litigation case underway with the Polish government at the moment. Um, there's a litigation fund of about 12 to $13 million. And the company very confident of the outcome of that. Of course, they won't get all the money back, but they'll get a substantial chunk back, which will, of course, mean, uh, which will, of course, uh, put a substantial chunk of money into the company's assets. Currently got a valuation of 197 million Australian dollars. That's probably about 100 to 120 million. Um, but it's also famous for uh, its other asset, which is the world class uh, uh, copper asset in Greenland, the Arctic Rift copper project which it has an option to buy into um and um the uh, the the exploration work that's been undertaken there has already discovered um smelter standard gold samples sitting on the surface of the land um there was a there were the, the companies using sherp atv vehicles uh, some very exciting uh, pictures and images of the of the uh, uh, the ship arriving at the port last year and offloading these vehicles, which then proceed to drive over this inhospitable terrain with their huge tyres. 
So, of course, the team can go anywhere, sample these assets, get the results back to the lab. And um, the results so far have been spectacular. So a very exciting year in prospect for Green X Metals. Even though we've had this blip in the share price, <coughs> I think we're set for we're set for great things in the coming months. Fantastic. Um, so moving moving towards the end of the uh, of the selection here, Alan. So we've got a another company involved in minerals in Cavango. Kavango Resources, indeed. So Kavango have had uh, also had a, a pretty busy year. Um, the company uh, again are Botswana focused. They have um, uh, a number of key assets there. They have the asset in the in the Kalahari Gold Belt, uh, Copper Belt, the KCB. Um, several assets there that they have developed, uh, and um, and uh, some exciting grades of come out of the ground there. We're expecting to hear a lot more from Ben Turney, Brett Grist and the team as we go forward into 2023. Uh, the company also owns the Dittau Farms uh, uh, project, which is a, a project uh, uh, for rare earth metals. Um, and again, uh, it was uh, the company acquired um, that asset back from a joint venture, <laughs> excuse me, a joint venture with Power Metals, uh, Power Metal Resources, toward the end of last year. Independent valuation uh, acquired, uh, uh, an independent valuation of that asset alone uh, um, attributed um, an eight million dollar valuation to that. So, so that was uh, that was encouraging. And then, of course, the flagship asset the group has is the Kalahari Suture Zone, which is uh, which is um, a hugely valuable. Uh, asset um, in the middle of the Kalahari Desert. Um, a, the, a magnetic anomaly was discovered and the company worked this through with mag- magnetic uh, imagery over the years. Um, and it's akin in terms of its geology and its formation to the Norilsk, um, the Norilsk uh, mine in Siberia, which of course is a, an asset uh, and a mine that's been supplying uh, the world's nickel copper and mineral resources for many years now of course shut out given the developments in the ukraine um so of course it makes uh, assets like this doubly important to bring them to market drilling has already taken place there um some some results are being uh, looked at and developed at the moment but of course we're expecting uh, much further progress from the group uh, this year uh, valuation currently of 8.2 million uh company recently raised funds uh, at a level just slightly higher than where we are now so uh, it's a good entry point at the moment and i think kavango's got uh, a great year in prospect uh, given the respective valuations of its individual uh, assets yes yes i mean we've obviously just been through a number of resource companies all of which if you look at the chart have had a very tough uh, 2022, of course, with the concerns about the backdrop of the, the economic picture, the resource sector, and particularly the junior resource sector, is is one that, that suffers. But that doesn't take anything away from the assets that they have in, in the ground. And of course, when we start to see optimism pick up, it is one, uh, one sector that does quickly see a bounce back. If you go back and have a look at the charts over the last 20 years, it can be quite pronounced so uh we're now going to move on to uh, a company which is a real 
a real micro cap in more acquisitions, Alan. Yep, more acquisitions. Um, it's uh, It was a SPAC, of course, that was set up to make an acquisition, uh, nothing more, nothing less. Um, and it was suspended uh, last year at 0.9p, pending uh, the reverse takeover of a company called Megasteel. And Megasteel have been hugely successful over the uh, over many many years um been a very it, it's been a company that's just gone on gone out and gone on with uh, with um with, with its work and it supplies uh uh it supplies pre-stressed steel for construction um and uh, it's this uh, steel is used in the pre-stressing and post tensioning for concrete products uh, in the UK and this is the go-to company um, and the the, uh, the Nigel Roberts, the managing director of the company, is very much a do what it says on the tin guy. You know, he's uh, the company basically uh, is uh, an aggregator of steel. They buy it in and sell it on into the industry, and they have resources and assets all over the world. Um, their last set of results, they turned over just over twenty million EBITDA of three point nine million. So this company is coming to market through more acquisitions so hugely exciting uh, it's expected i think to relaunch at some uh, 2.2 to 2.3 p so of course that will give a significant uplift but this company i think is worth investing in anyway uh, look at the track record of results you can go and look at the mega steel website it'll tell you all about the company um, and the way it's run and i think uh, uh, again given that we're now emerging out of covid uh, although of course we've got the recessionary worries um, there, there's this resurgence around the world in requirement and demand for steel and mega steel of the company to supply that. Indeed, indeed. Um, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a risky play, of course, but, you know, the upside with these smaller companies can be quite significant. And obviously, you know, looking at, you know, going back to that story that we just mentioned there, looking at the resource sector, uh, you know anything involved in the the minerals and metal spaces when we do start to see a recovery in the global economy will be a major beneficiary so um now let's move on we're getting towards the end of the list now alan next one is china non-ferrous goals yeah I, i've just uh, put this in as a dark horse for the new year now china non-ferrous gold is uh, the former chrysler resources investors may well Remember this company. Um, now they're based; that uh, they have an asset in Tajikistan, which is uh, it, it's the uh, uh, it, it's the Pakrut, um, uh, gold project um, located in the Tian Shan gold belt, and this is the world's second known, uh, second largest known gold belt. Um, and China Nonferous uh, Gold owns one hundred percent of the Pakrut gold project. Um, and the share price, of course, has, like so many others, just drifted downwards through the year. It was up at 10p in January last year and is now trading at 2.5p. Um, but uh, the, the, the outlook for gold, given the backdrop, is still as strong as ever. And I think possibly some investors are put off by the fact that the asset is based in Tajikistan. But in my opinion, uh, it's, uh, you know, given... CNG uh, is the first foreign company to obtain 100% ownership of a mining and exploration project in Tajikistan. 
uh, it makes it an attractive, albeit speculative, uh, um, a punt to to get involved in. And uh, you know, if this uh, if the company uh, if the company um, uh, uh, continues to develop the asset and we get uh, significant news on this in the first quarter, then I think we will see a recovery a, a recovery in the in the share price. So moving on now, Alan, we've got a company which had a tremendous end to 2022. It's Harland and Wolf. There was a big contract win from the UK government and the Ministry of Defence, and that makes it into your selection for 2023. So what are the key highlights that you're going to take away for Harland and Wolf in the coming year? Well, Harland and Wolf um, uh, uh, announced uh, late uh, in 2022 that they were preferred contractors for the fleets for the fleets uh, solid uh, contract and this is to build some fleet royal fleet auxiliary uh, supply ships um, and that contract is worth 1.6 billion it's a, a three-way contract with three companies um, and through the contract uh, 77 million will be reinvested into Harlan and wolf and that'll involve um, upgrading some of the facilities it has Three shipyards, of course, uh, at the famous and Harland and Wolf shipyard, one of the world's largest dry docks in Belfast. Also, uh, shipyards uh, um, in uh, in Devon uh, and two in Scotland on the east and west coast. Um, the company also undertakes a lot of steel fabrication work. Uh, it's got a contract to uh, rejuvenate uh, the M55, um, but. Uh, it's this contract that has really put the company on the map. Um, and, of course, we saw the, saw the shares uh, uh, hit as high as 20, 29p, I think, at one stage they, that they were at briefly. Um, and uh, the, comp- the shares have drifted back since then, largely on the back of a, uh, of a trading update that was issued last week. Um, and the company announced that uh, it wouldn't be hitting its targets for this year, but that the revenues from... Uh, or most of the revenues uh, that were missing from this year's numbers were deferred into next year. And this is often the way with big contracts. There are logistical issues which hold up the delivery. So revenues from one year get pushed into another year. And that, of course, um, you know, uh, um, does hit the share price. So here we are. The shares are currently trading at just under 16p, giving the company a valuation of 27 million. Um, Now, um, whichever way you slice it, a substantial chunk of that 1.6 billion contract is going to come into Harlan and Wolf. There are the company uh, has debt concerns, or there, there were there were debt concerns, but um, even prior to the uh, Fleet Solid Services contract, um, the uh, the estimation from some pundits in the market were that, were that the shares were already worth 30p on the basis of the contracts that were already in place. So if we take some of that off, given that uh, Given that the company hasn't hit this year's uh, this year's uh, uh, target, I think we can still be very excited about the prospects for the group. And of course, you know, we spoke about um, the FTSE performance and the performance of UK companies. This is a UK company post Brexit that's able to go out and tender the contracts all around the world without being uh, encumbered by the EU um, uh, and uh, and all of the uh, requirements there. So. Um, I, you know, I think it's worth investing into Harland Wolf for that reason and that reason alone. It can go out now and it can win contracts worldwide on the basis of uh, on the basis of 
what it can do as a company and what it can provide. And I find that very exciting. Um, the company also has a diverse business, uh, also involved in um, in uh, refurbishing ferries and uh, uh, obviously working uh, on, on existing ships, large vessels and containers, has a fabrication business um, and also business repairing and servicing oil rigs too. So very diversified, but you know, I, th- I expect great things from this company. And the company will be issuing an update during the first quarter next year, which will give more detail on the fleet solid services contract. Uh, we'll, we'll find out more about just how much of that cash allocation is coming Harlan and Wolf's way. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story here for British industry with, with Harland and Wolf. Of course, the investment case is particularly compelling, but what it's going to be doing for for, for the economy uh, in its location is is fantastic. And, you know, we're looking forward to more stories like this coming out uh, in, the, in the coming years. So, Alan, last but by no means least... In the selection for 2023 to watch, we have Technology Minerals. Technology Minerals. So this is, uh, of course, TM1 is um, it's a recycling company, describes itself as a circular economy company, um, and it has uh, a re- battery recycling business. Of course, um, we're, we're all aware of the potential and size of this burgeoning industry for electric vehicles clean technologies and all the rest of it but of course um once those batteries get to the end of their life what happens um there is uh, there are various battery recycling centers but um nothing on the scale of the the assets that uh, technology minerals tm on are developing they have two uh, of a lead acid battery and a lithium ion battery recycling plants at tipton and wolverhampton um, and those are uh, coming on stream this year. Um, there have been uh, the, the, the companies had to go through many steps and hoops, of course, with the environmental uh, environmental agency, and prove that the system it has is both safe and uh, and efficient. And of course, the when the batteries are taken into the premises, they've got to be transported safely. So there are many boxes to tick. Um, the company has now gone through that process. The, the, these plants will be up and running and then uh, technology minerals will be replicating those many times over. Um, the company also has a series of mining assets uh, across the world, both in uh, Idaho, USA, Cobalt, um, Cobalt in Cameroon, uh, assets in Spain at the Astomet project and also lithium asset at Leinster in Ireland. Um, and these these projects are progressing with the team through the year. Alex Stanbury, Chief Executive, Lester Kemp, the Chief Ops Officer, and also, of course, we have Robin Brundle, who is Executive Chairman and, of course, has many connections within the motorsport industry. So TM1's had a, uh, had a, had a sort of, uh, I think, a year where it's been difficult for the group because of the delays, but I think those delays are now behind it, and we're trading at 1.5p at the moment, giving the company a valuation of just under... 20 million. So a great year in store for TM1. Indeed, indeed. So Alan, thank you very much for the monster session there on the on the podcast today. Um I did sense a bit of a cough there. So thank you very much for persevering. Yes. And I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, thank you very much to everybody for listening. Wishing you a very prosperous new year. I'm not going to run through each individual company, but if you want to check out the tickers and have a recap of the companies that were included 
in this podcast, do check out the notes because they're listed in there along with the, the ticker. So you can go and do your own research in your own time. Look at these companies in more detail. So once more, Alan, thank you very much for your efforts today. Thank you, John. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.